we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those God predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us. Will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn no one. It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Sisters and brothers, grace to you and peace from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Joseph knew. Joseph knew that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Joseph, heir to Abraham's promise. We've come a long way since last week. We were in chapter 21, and now we've jumped up into the late 30s. It says in your folder 39, 40, and 41, but the truth is there's some chapter 37 in here as well and beyond 41. It's the story of Joseph who knew that God was with him, who knew that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Now I wish we could go into all the details that take us from Abraham and Sarah and the birth of Isaac up through the family history that leads us to Joseph. But A, we don't have enough time, and B, I kind of like to run a PG service. And if you've read the story, and I know this sounds cliche, Abraham's heirs put the fun back in dysfunctional. It's true. It's true. Desperate Housewives has nothing on the book of Genesis. <laughs> if you don't believe me, go home and read it. It's true. But here we have Joseph, one of Jacob's 12 sons. The favored one, one of the favored sons. And he knew that God was with him. He knew that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Now you might say, well, of course he was the favored one. He was a good-looking guy. He had a lot of gifts. Of course he knew. I mean, who wouldn't know that God is with him, a guy like that? But when you read his story, you realize that his life was anything but charmed. His life was anything but easy. Joseph, the favored son of Jacob, was a bit of a spoiled brat. Joseph bragged to his brothers, I had a dream, and in that dream, you all bowed down to me. 
Joseph, whose brothers so hated and despised him, were so jealous of him that they threw him into a pit and sold him to slavery, took his coat tattered and bloodied back to his father and said that he was dead. Joseph, who was sold into slavery to the Ishmaelites, who was then in turn sold to the household of Potiphar, the captain of the guard, Pharaoh. Joseph, who did his best with God's help to help Potiphar's house hold pro uh, to prosper and to grow. And he did that, but all the while avoiding Potiphar's wife, who was trying to seduce him. And because he rejected her advances, Joseph was accused of rape and thrown into prison. And there, he interpreted dreams for the cupbearer, for the baker. And the cupbearer's dream turned out good. He was going to be released, and he said, when you get out, put in a good word for me, would you? Joseph, who was forgotten by the cupbearer for two years, left to languish in prison until Pharaoh had a dream, and the cupbearer went, oh, wait, I know somebody who interprets dreams. Throughout all of this, Joseph knew that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We know, don't we? We do know, right? That in all things God works for the good, or do we? I have my moments. I have my days when I'm not so sure. What about days when we get a diagnosis we were dreading? What about days when we face the grief of losing a loved one? Days when we just can't find that job. We're having a hard time making ends meet. Do we know then? Do we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him? It's hard, right? It's difficult. And sometimes we're not so sure. So we have this wonderful story of Joseph who, in the midst of so much suffering and oppression, it's kind of glossed over in the story, but if you just pay attention to being dejected by his brothers, so hated, sold into slavery, thrown into prison, and yet he knew. Paul was writing to the church in Rome when he said, we know that in all things God works for the good. Paul was talking to a church that was in turmoil. It was tough everywhere to be the church in those early years, facing persecution and hatred from the people around. But the people in Rome, they had lost all kinds of members, and there were Jews and Gentiles, and they were trying to figure out how to be church together. It wasn't the way it had been when it first started. Things had changed. Sound a little bit familiar? 
Paul reminded them. It's tough right now. You're not sure what's ahead. You're not sure what this church thing is going to look like. But know that in the midst of it, God is here. That God loves you. That God will not abandon you. That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. It's true here. God's in the midst of all of this, even in the midst of all the transition that this congregation has endured over the last few years. Even in the midst of this transition right now, as you're trying to figure out, what's this new guy all about? And what's he going to do? And how are we going to be church together? Because things will change. They're bound to be. They're bound to change. Will we know? Will we remind one another that in the midst of it, God works for the good for all those who love him? Paul could have said this. Paul could have said, God works for the good in all things for all people. Not just for those who love him, but for all people. But he was speaking specifically to a church of people who were already followers of Jesus Christ. And he wanted them to know that things were going to be all right. Because they, like us, were heirs to Abraham's promise. And remember what God promised Abraham. God promised to bless him and give him a nation of a family, but not just so that they could prosper. God blessed them so that they, in turn, could be a blessing. You see, it's not really enough for us to sit here together and say, you know, all this change is hard, but God's going to get us through it, and we're going to take care of each other, and God's going to bless us. That's good, but it's not enough. Because God is calling us to bless others. God is calling us to bless the world. God is calling us to bless this community that surrounds us. You see, God works for the good for all people. But God is working through those of us who love him so that we might in turn be a blessing for others. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Don't you see? We've been called. Not just blessed, but called to be God's, the body of Christ in the world. To be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ who lived and died and rose again, that we might have new life. I, for one, am really excited to see what that looks like. But it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. We're going to do things differently than we did last year. And that's going to make some people uncomfortable. And that's going to cause some tension. But we gather here each week in worship and in prayer and in study to remind one another that we know that in all things God works for the good for those who love him. Amen. The peace of God which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds 
in Christ Jesus. Amen.